Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Hustle Middle East. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode because there's some explicit language in this episode. So be warned, especially if you're around kids, uh, you know, you've been warned. So uh, we got to check out uh, Dubai's fuck up nights. They're called fun nights in Dubai. But essentially, fuck up nights is an international phenomenon. They have 318 chapters around the world. And the basic idea of it is they bring on entrepreneurs on to share their mess ups and um, you know share their experiences of the major fuck ups that they had while trying to start their businesses so um, Dubai has been doing it for a while now I think this was the 18th episode right 18th volume so we got to go check it out um, uh, it was an awesome night and uh, we recorded some of the segments for you from that and we're going to be sharing it with you so yeah, yeah. Um, so we reached out to the organizers of Fuck Up Nights. I'm just going to call it Fuck Up Nights <laughs> okay. um, uh, or Fun Nights, whatever. Um, and they were they love collaboration, so they were very excited for Startup Hustle to cover it. And it was one of their biggest events as well. It was held at N5 Tech um, in Knowledge Village. And um, it had around 350 guests, the largest ever. A new host, Fari, who, um, if I had to describe her in one word, is very enthusiastic. That's two <laughs> words. But she was a great host, and it was the first time she was hosting, and she did an amazing job. Um, we leave links to Fari, to FunDXB, and to the speakers in our show notes, so you can check them out. So that brings me to the speakers. There were some really exciting speakers. So we got to watch Aya Sather uh, speak about her fuck-ups. She shared about four fuck-ups, really good chat. And she delivered it really well, but we expected that because she is a TEDx speaker. Yep. She spoke at TEDx in Rome, I believe. Um, she's also an ex-incubator manager for Intelac, which is um, an incubator focused on aviation, tourism, um, and it's the first one in the Middle East that's focused specifically on those sectors. So she's encountered a lot of pitches. Um, she's had to pitch internally quite a few ideas. She was also she won an award for entrepreneur of the intrapreneur of the year in 2018. So have a listen to what she had to say. So I'd like to start off uh, by telling you a little story. So I was walking by the living room and my dad was sitting there and lounging. So I walked up to dad and I sat down and I said, hey dad, guess what? And he was like, what? I'm like, I'm speaking at an event. He was like, okay. And I was like, shit, he got used to me telling him, dad, I'm speaking at an event. So he said, you know, I said, okay, let me, let me tell him what the event is about. And I said, Dad, the name of the event is Fun Nights. Like, fuck up nights. So he lowered his glasses and he looked at me and he was like, Baba, I don't even know what you do. <laughs> Which for those who don't speak Arabic, he said, it's okay, let's call it even. So I said, okay, I'll do the event then. Um, so, uh, in my experience, just to give you guys a quick background, I work for corporate, uh, I work for a startup, I've even launched a startup, uh, I work for a corporate accelerator program, I work for an incubator, a co-working space, and now I'm back to, um, well, I guess, 
Startup. <laughs> yeah, my best friend is in the audience, so she knows. So I'm back to working for a startup. Uh, I can't tell you guys what it is, but watch out on my LinkedIn to find out very soon. So um, today I'm going to be representing myself, and I won't be talking about the names of the companies that I've had experience with. So just to keep their, you know, their integrity, their reputation intact. But you guys can pretty much guess which ones I'm talking about as I go. <laughs> I made it pretty obvious just to piss them all off. <laughs> so recently, um, from I guess you can see from, I guess the only thing that's up there, which is TEDx Rome, because my ex company didn't want me to tell anybody who I worked for. Oh shit, it's right there. So, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so just to kind of summarize, so I was speaking uh, at, at uh, TEDx Rome which was similar to this, except half the audience didn't speak English. So every single word I said was being transcribed on the spot into Italian. So you can imagine how many jokes were missed, how many things were interpreted incorrectly, and how many weird questions I got after that. So recently, people who've met me are asking me the, the following question. They're like, you know, I, uh, I watch your TEDx and I found it so inspiring and so interesting and I have a few questions for you. And recently I've been responding to most of them by saying, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this topic. So, um, you know, all in all, it was a great experience, but it does, it does come with a lot of challenges uh, as you go. Fun fact about me. Um, I was, uh, the first time I ever tried to do a public speaking, I actually stood up, blurted out a bunch of shit, got really red in the face, and just ran out of the room. And that was my first experience. Um, for some people, you would call it social suicide. I was very young, I didn't have that many friends, so <laughs> it was a terrible experience. So. I guess from that, that moment, um, you know, crying and kind of going back to my parents and saying, you know, this happened to me and I don't know what to do. My father always says, you know, you're going to have to get back out there and you're going to do it again. And I was like, okay, here we go. Second time was worse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I guess um, it's persistence, determination, and repetition, right? And I'm not going to tell you that that's it. Because everybody can repeat the same thing over and over again. But until you start believing that what you're doing is great, and you have your own rhythm, and it feels good, then you're pretty much just doing what everybody else is doing. So until, until you really start believing in yourself and you feel confident, it's just going to be something that, you know, you're just doing because everyone else is doing. Don't do that. Don't be a copycat. Be yourself. So the learning from that fuck up specifically is, you know, don't be intimidated by social suicide. Get back out there. Push yourself again. Now, the second experience I'd like to share with you, um, we're going to start with by playing a little game. Who here knows Taboo? Perfect. Charlie and the... <coughs> Chocolate. Perfect. This is a great fuck up. <laughs> In the perspective of the company I work for, it was an excellent one. So... <laughs> So my boss gave me my first task, super excited. She's like, Christmas is coming. We have a collection we're gonna release. I want you to go out there and get me chocolate cake pops. And I need you to send them to all the different markets. So we're talking KSA, UAE, Qatar, Kuwait. So I went and I mass produced, let's say 3000 chocolate cake pops. 
for a great price. Super excited, came back to the office and I told my boss, guess what? I ordered 3,000 chocolate cake pops and we're gonna send them to all the markets. And she said, send what? You're gonna send chocolate? FedEx is not gonna send chocolate to any of the markets. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. I just ordered 3,000 chocolate cake pops. <laughs> so basically, we had 500 chocolate cake pops delivered to the UAE market, and 2,500 chocolate cake pops delivered to the office. <laughs> Let's just say, we ate chocolate cake pops all the way up until Easter. <laughs> Which obviously was a big hit financially and to our waistlines. <laughs> so, I wasn't really, I was loved and hated in the office for that, for a long time. But nevertheless, amazing chocolate cake pops. Go downstairs, Dubai Mall, you find them there. Really good price. <laughs> <laughs> My third experience, um, talking about uh, teamwork. So I guess, just to kind of summarize that fuck up, uh, the most important thing is you have a team. And that consists of a lot of people with a lot of experience and with a lot of uh, time to give back to you. So if you're ever not sure of something, consult with your team. Don't do what I did. <laughs> Ask somebody else first, uh, preferably your boss. So talking about uh, teamwork and, um, and blowing budgets. Uh, we have a really great example, for, and some people in the room might actually not because they used to work with me on this one. So we had a, a really great idea on the team. So one of the girls came and she said, you know, guys, I know exactly how we're going to launch the company. I know exactly what the campaign is going to be all about. We're going to have webisodes. So basically, online episodes. So we're talking 25 crew members following around 40 individuals. It's like Castel de Papay, um, money heist, lights, camera, action, everything. At some point, I thought Huda Beauty was going to pop out of nowhere. And um, the episodes were being done, and it was beautiful. Like, we're talking like top of the line, amazing stuff. And then we realized that we had put all the money into making the film and completely forgot to put money into marketing. Oh shit, <laughs> exactly. And for those of you who are startups, who are poor, very, very, very poor, yes. my suggestion to all of you is put money into marketing and preferably at least 4x the amount that you're gonna put into the campaign. A lot of people think, you know, if I'm gonna have an amazing campaign and I, you know, I spend all this money on, on it and nobody knows about it, guess what? That's how I felt. We're talking like 300 views, not once, not twice, not three times, four times. Four times 300 views on each episode. That really hurts, especially when you blow an entire marketing budget on the campaign. So don't do what we did. Spend money on the marketing, less on the campaign. And for my last uh, fuck up that I wanna share with you guys. And this is really, really important. And actually on a platform similar to FundEXP called, at the time, TED, TED Talks, I think it was called? At Impact Hub, we're talking 2015. It doesn't exist anymore, so it was a fuck up, I guess. <laughs> Don't see that one anymore. 
I don't think you even see, um, never mind. Um, so basically, for those who laughed, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so basically, this is, uh, this is the most important lesson I've learned from an entrepreneur. He always said to me, don't let your sunk costs get in the way of what you want to do next. Sunk costs are there to be experienced. They're supposed to teach you something, right? You spend a little bit of money, it didn't go in the right direction. That doesn't mean your business has failed. It just means that you learned something. What's even more challenging is walking into a startup that has already spent money on the wrong thing. You're like, shit, now I have to tell them they're stupid. <laughs> Don't do that. But you need to tell them exactly what you should be doing if you really spot something that's going in the wrong direction. For example, you walk in and you ask them, hey guys, let's see the program modules that we're gonna release into the market. And they say, okay, we're gonna Skype in with the team in the US. And I'm like, hmm, fancy, they're in the US. It means we spent money and they must be great, right? International brands, amazing. So we get onto Skype and there's this huge green blackboard and this guy with a chalk and he goes, today, here are the classroom rules. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. This is a lot of money and this is definitely a waste. We're talking like 60 plus year old American teachers, old farts, literally just got on stage to show us their pitch. One of them actually looked like Trump. <laughs> I was like, this is not going to work. And as they were kind of projecting what they were about to start teaching us in this classroom and telling us that we're gonna teach this to our entrepreneurs, I had this oh shit moment. This is not gonna work out. Now, how do you tell a team that has already spent money on something that you need to cancel this entire thing and you need to redesign the entire project. You talk to your boss. Because that person trusted you when they employed you, right? And they're the ones who are gonna wait for you to give them back feedback. Because you've been hired specifically for this role to do something great. The difference between entrepreneurs and other people is that you don't follow orders. Your job is there so that you can actually ask better questions, so that you can add value to your team. But if you're just gonna sit there and wait for the wave to ride, trust me, you're gonna be under it, and it's gonna completely swamp you. So the first thing we did is I went back to my team and I said, guys, we need to come up with a better idea. So we redesigned everything from scratch, and we, we represented it. And we managed to get a budget to move forward with that. But if I had let that sunk cost sink the entire business, who would have failed? Everyone? Yeah, exactly. If you want to do something great and you're just going to accept the status quo, then you will never improve. So that's something that I learned pretty early on. And I think that's something that most entrepreneurs should know. If your business is going in the wrong direction and you've already spent money on it, don't let that get in your way to do something better. So just to summarize all the fuck-ups for the night, <laughs> the first one is don't let uh, social suicide be the reason why you don't learn a new skill. The second one is, they were supposed to be on the screen. <laughs> don't, give her your screen don't give her your slides. She's terrible. Those are perfect cake pops. Buy lots of chocolate for the office. They will love you. Ask my new team. They love me. <laughs> The second is um, make sure to consult your team 
before making a decision so you don't get hit financially into the waistline. The third one is um, blowing budgets. Make sure that your marketing budget is 4x your campaign. The fourth is sunk costs. Don't let sunk costs get in the way of you doing something great with your business. And the last one, which I've definitely said before, don't accept the status quo. Always challenge it. And if you think that your idea is good and it doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. So my word of advice to all the entrepreneurs out here is think big. Because if you're thinking about it, somebody else is already doing it. So go out there and do it better and bigger. Thank you very much. All right, I hope you enjoyed the talk by Aya Sadar. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, the second guest they had was somebody we've had on the podcast before. His name is Philip Bahushi. He's the founder of Magnet. And uh, he shared a lot about his struggles trying to raise funding for Magnet. Uh, some of the mistakes he made by trying to pivot too many times. I'll just leave it up to Philip to explain himself because he's such a good speaker. So here you go, Philip Bahushi. It's honestly a pleasure to be here. I don't really have a script. It's very hard to follow someone who's done TEDx twice. Um, it's really funny being here. In5 was the first place I actually came to when I started on my journey here in Dubai. And even this place has grown a huge amount. And when I look at the crowd, there's actually a bunch of people who have either been a part of the journey or have been interns with me, who have helped and advised along the way, and, and they'll kind of feed into what I'm going to do today. I'm going to focus just on the origins of Magnet, because I think as founders who are starting up, um, there's a lot of learning lessons that I had that I just want to share. Now, I'm going to caveat that by saying, it doesn't matter what I tell you, you're not going to really learn from it unless you do it yourself. And in fact, the beginnings of this is that I'm an ex-consultant, I'm an ex-banker, went to Dubai MBA, all wonderful. Um, and during the MBA, I did the startup bootcamp equivalent, but for the MBA. And that was really where I got the bug. I did many classes around it. And the whole idea of the weekend is that you start on a Friday, if anyone doesn't know it, uh, and by the end of the weekend, you're pitching to investors with an idea. And I had some idea that I wanted to do basically what ended up being Vivino, which is a wine app. Um, and as part of the exercise, we had to reach out to mentors from the INSEAD community. So I went on the INSEAD Connect website, and I think I emailed about 40 different people just randomly looking for advice, looking for help, anything that I could get to kind of guide me on my journey. And long story short, I think I got one email back. And during INSEAD, we did this class called Strategy, uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. And the Blue Ocean Strategy in 2013 was a platform called Match.com. So anyone who's in the dating world will maybe recognize the, the name Match.com. And the reason that Match.com at the time was considered as this amazing blue ocean strategy was that they did this 15-page psychometric test that guaranteed you a perfect match, and if it didn't, they wouldn't introduce you. And if you did, you ended up paying something like two, $3,000 to meet the person. And while the professor went on over three different lectures, each one an hour and a half long, explaining why this was an amazing concept, I guarantee you that 75% of the people in the room were on Tinder. <laughs> swiping left and swiping right. 
And for everybody in the room, they were like, why would you need to go through this 15-page kind of psychometric test when all you have to do is... <laughs> and so that was where Magnet started. The original Magnet 1.0 was basically allowing people to connect based on an idea that you would swipe left and swipe right. I wanted to cut out the whole due diligence process. Why do you have to get, share your financials? Why do you have to share all of your documents? When really you just have a very simple concept of swipe left and swipe right. And the original one was for MBAs. I was trying to solve the problem that I had identified myself, which was to connect MBA entrepreneurs to the alumni. And the basic logic was, if the alumni are on the platform, they're more interested in actually connecting with you um, because they want to find you than you trying to reach out to them. Now I'll come on to basically five reasons this fucked up along the way that I can share with you. And it all kind of started because I came back from a holiday one day, working in the family business, bored out of my mind and decided, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. And as any MBA would do, I sat there and wrote a business plan. As part of the business plan, I went through kind of 10 pages of things that I needed to look at. And one of them was, how do I cost this thing? And so I reached out to, I think at the time, 10 different development companies and, and said, cool, can you quote me what it would be to build out this MVP? So let me put this into context. I was on my own, stubborn, driven that I had the next best thing, hadn't validated it with anyone, hadn't really spoken to too many people about it except a bunch of friends, but was super driven that this was going to be huge. And the only thing I needed was kind of an MVP to showcase. One of the 10 different companies I spoke to said, you know what, for a couple of thousand dollars and a couple of meetings, I'll, I'll, I'll create this product and you can go out and start selling it. So fuck up number one is, wherever possible, don't do it alone. Single founders, number one, it's very lonely. Side projects, side comment is that I still remember, it's not lonely when it's challenging, it's actually very lonely when you're somewhat successful. So the day we actually launched Magnet, I, I, I still vividly remember this, I was on my own, at home, website goes live. <laughs> I, there was nobody there. I was literally in my, on my own, in a room, Nobody to speak to, nobody to celebrate with. All your friends literally don't care because you've been speaking about it so much, so long. Your parents are like, don't even understand what it is that you're doing. And, and of course the benefits are that when, when it's challenging, you have somebody to bounce off. But most importantly, if you find somebody that can complement your skills, you're a much stronger proposition when you're going to fundraise. So like, fuck up number one is wherever possible, don't do it on your own. Number two is try wherever possible not to use an outsourced development team. Now, the temptation at the beginning is to do that. I have my CTO at the back and after four years and around fundraising, you can ask her why it's not ideal to use outsourced developers, let alone three of them who each iterated one on top of the other on top of the other to create really bad code, really bad code, even worse code, and then something that's basically unusable. <laughs> now I know that's easier said than done because it's not very easy to find a CTO co-founder, but one of the things that you need to do at the beginning is really socialize, meet other people, and wherever possible, if you want to become a massive company, if you are ready to take it to the next stage, 
you are meant to be tech platforms, or at least if we're talking about tech platforms, that is something that you need to really think about. So then we go and launch, we started getting customers, we start getting these MBAs. I'm sitting in Dubai. How many MBA schools are there in Dubai? <laughs> Two executive MBAs, maybe three. I spent my whole time on the phone. Fortunately, Harvard, Stanford, LBS, INSEAD, one by one, all of whom managed to give me about 15 minutes of time on Skype to discuss what it was that I was doing. And I was managed to hustle my way to the top of whatever the entrepreneurial division is and maybe the dean and they're like, you know what, we love your idea, but we don't really want it to transcend different universities, we only want it for ours. Well, I'm not a product person. I have no idea how to go about selling a product. I just wanted to create this platform. And so by being focused on MBAs, and there's a lady over there who, when I was at my first STEP conference, pitched the idea to, who turned around and said, why in the world are you standing here in Dubai at the STEP conference pitching an MBA idea when 75, if not 80% of the people here don't really care? And she was right to a certain extent. I still think that there's a product there. But I was in the wrong place to do that. And you really need to know your customers. And doing a global platform from day one from here is neon impossible. While it was a good idea at the time, and I still think it was a good idea to focus on a niche, it needs to be a niche that you can actually speak to and engage with, and not one that you're relying on being on Skype to reach out to halfway across the world to get information from. So while we were able to get some traction, even from LSE, uh, from INSEAD at the time. Problem number four was I didn't think about how to make money. And while that's somewhat counterintuitive, I believe that, look, I was going to be on this next social media platform, whatever it was, connecting people, getting them into huge numbers, um, that that would be the hook. And I found the most narrow niche possible, which to this day, Magnet is still a niche. Uh, which is a challenge, but MBAs, entrepreneurs, trying to connect to investors, like you couldn't find more niche. And I didn't really think about how I was gonna make money. And I didn't really have a path towards that. I just thought I was gonna get plenty of users. And when you come to invest, and I'll come on to that afterwards, if you can't have a clear path to monetization, no investor's gonna speak to you, especially here. We're not in the Valley, we're not in Silicon Valley, we're not in Europe. Let's not kid ourselves that they're gonna be like, we're gonna get huge user numbers. You need to think about how it is that you're gonna monetize a product. Otherwise, nobody's gonna be interested in speaking to you. So we've gone with a sole founder who um, had a niche product that used outsourced tech that didn't look to monetize. Um, so like really, all of that didn't put me in very good stead. And I was sitting here in the Middle East, and I think I nearly gave up three times, each time just through frustration, paying too many costs, not being able to get a team. And then I went to fundraise. And when you fundraise, it's only natural that you start speaking to people and trying to get their feedback. Funnily enough, what I didn't realize that the investors that I was dealing with were potentially my ultimate customers. And one of the things that you do whenever you go and fundraise is you get very defensive because you need to be open to the idea that if you're going to speak to an investor, they're going to give you feedback. And it's part of the game. And it's probably likely not to be positive. Because no investor is going to sit there and tell you you're doing a great idea. Because if they did, they'd just give you the money and then move on. So 
the hardest part was that you started reacting to whatever every investor was telling you because you wanted to make them happy. So Magnet became this plethora of just features and ideas. And every time I spoke to somebody, I'd be like, cool, we're going to do that. We're going to add a, a Q&A site. And then we're going to do a job board. And then we're going to do this and this and this. And that was the biggest failure because I really wasn't trying to solve what the customer wanted. I was trying to listen to what the investor said they thought would be successful, but they weren't even going to give me money. So that was the fifth and worst thing that I ever did. And that was the point where I literally was about to just give up. I mean, I'd spent probably at the time a year and a half trying to do this thing. Everybody said, why are you doing this MBA thing? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you doing it alone? Why haven't you looked to monetize? And I just almost gave up. And really, the only reason that I'm still standing here is because of someone who sat next to me um, at Astrolabs back in the day, my Medhat, who does uh, Aventus. And she goes, look, I know you're really struggling, but you do realize you have 2,000 startups on your platform. And I was like, yes. She goes, nobody has that. And I was like, okay, so what do I do with this? She goes, well, that's data. And I was always very mission-driven that we would become a data platform. And she goes, well, why don't you start creating an infographic? Why don't you just start sharing this information that you've gathered and start putting it out there and selling it? And I was like, yeah, but nobody wants to buy it. She goes, well, you never know unless you try it. And really, it was thanks to her one day telling me to put all this information that we've gathered into a very simple infographic. Firstly, about the state of startups, and then about funding, which then it just, from there, at the point where I was about to give up and just listen to one more idea that I was ready to implement, that managed to go from what was a Tinder for startup for MBAs towards becoming a data platform for the MENA region that we can now share with you. So it's a little bit of a journey. I'm, I cut it short and there's many other learning lessons. The learning lessons are there to kind of share with you that if you are starting up, think about these things. You're probably still gonna do them because everybody's very stubborn and driven about their ideas, but share your ideas, speak to other people, learn from their lessons. And if you have any other questions, I'm happy to share afterwards. Um, but it's okay to fuck up and still get out the other side but you have to be very thick-skinned and very motivationally driven if you want to get there. Thank you. Um, hope you guys enjoyed both those uh, stories of fuck-ups and learned something from it. It was a really fun event for us to attend and to cover. The third speaker that they were meant to have was Wissam Yunani. Uh, we hope you're not butchering any of these names, by the way. But um, he is the CEO of BNC Publishing that puts out Entrepreneur Middle East. And as it goes, one of the fuck-ups was getting the dates wrong, so he couldn't attend the event. But he did send in a video, which was about 10 minutes long, and it was such an engaging video. But we didn't want to take a video of the video, and he's promised to show up at a future event. So we will cover that then, hopefully. Um, but definitely, we leave links to Entrepreneur Middle East and to Wissam as well, because he shared some really, really good nuggets. So... 
um if you want to attend the future fuck up nights or fun nights um then we leave links to their instagram they post updates and they promise to be a lot more frequent uh and they are also announcing a series of other events as well so stay on top of it it's a really great place to meet people we actually met some people that also are fans of the show yeah Yeah. Shout out to all those guys. Shout out to all those guys. <laughs> One of them said he binge watched it like Game of Thrones. Now, I'm not sure if I completely believe him, but <laughs> but it's really motivating for us to hear your feedback. So, it would be great if you keep that feedback coming. Tell us what do you think about us covering live events? We've done it at step Yeah. in a way so yeah if you guys like the format of this episode uh they do these fuck up nights quite often so we're happy to cover them uh because uh, they're awesome events so yeah. if you enjoyed this do let us know in the comments or by liking this uh podcast episode uh you know we're available pretty much on all the podcast platforms um we also host this on anchor so you can leave us a voice note there if you want uh if you leave us a review it really helps us out spread the word uh you know you can share these podcast episodes on any social network we're also doing a video version of this episode on youtube so you can go check us out just search for startup us from middle east you should be able to find us and see these talks in real time we actually shot video of all these things as well so uh yeah hit that like button subscribe and we will see you in the next episode keep on hustling <laughs>